Good evening, everybody, and welcome to Punch, Kick, Choke, Chat. My name is Sean Benson, and I'm one of your hosts, and I'm so excited to jump into our chat with our guest tonight. He's somebody I've been following on Instagram and watching his YouTube videos for a while now, so I can't wait to dig into what's going on with him. So, Sensei Chris Hansen, um, let me start with a question. So, I, I'm not specifically asking about your club, per se, but the concept of karate unity. What does that mean to you, and why is it important? Oh, great question. First of all, I want to say thank you so much, guys, for inviting me. Uh, I, I really appreciate it. It's an honor. I, uh, I, I, my, my teacher has spoken so much about uh, about all the th- about some some of your lineage. Uh, so I'd love to 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 pick your brain about some of that later too. But uh, so thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah. So uh, karate unity um, is it, It's kind of like it's it's a concept. It's that kind of sprung about 20 years ago where I basically was experimenting with different arts and combat sports. Um, I, I started off at, at Kwai Wong um, and we did Shorinru Karate. I put, put in about 14 years there. And then I did, I did some uh, Dainisi Kempo afterwards. And during, during that journey, I, I met uh, different martial arts from different clubs. And I found a lot of the things that I was doing fell apart very quickly under live pressure and and just and because because of that that introduced me to boxing wrestling and different type of tactical combatives and then i'm thinking uh as i was cross-training with all these people and we would do it uh very unofficially uh we would meet up in a in the change rooms and we would cha- exchange numbers and say hey man let's let's meet up in your garage on the, on the sunday this and that and so we we would have all these garage sessions which led to backyard sessions which led to let's go to club uh, let's go to to big parks and so we cross-trained with a lot of different martial artists only to realize that we're all bound by the same biomechanical biomechanical principles and the only difference really is context um and so uh i just i had a light bulb moment and i said okay i gotta start filming some of this stuff um and then i i basically over, over these over this last 15 20 years i i've made uh, a network. So Karate Unity now is a, a teaching and training collective consisting of traditional martial artists, combat sport players, and tactical combative instructors. Um, and so I, I uh, decided to um, be uh, brave and uh, open up a YouTube channel. And uh, I was kind of scared to do that because uh, of all the judgment that's out there and and things like that but I I took a risk and you know my channel's not that big it's a very small channel I don't have a lot of time to uh put out a lot of stuff because my day job is a school teacher um and uh and so my 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 teaching practice is is uh uh, very limited to the evenings um it's a private practice but um Mm -hmm. because because of this small exposure in this YouTube channel uh people started to see they really felt refreshed that uh, you know, karate is more, it's not just in the box. Like you can, you can make conne- connections to, and, and to practically any martial art, right? We're, we all share the same principles, right? So uh, I got, uh, you know, inboxed to, and invited to Europe uh, to train and teach with uh, Ian Abernathy and, and some, some of the uh, UK guys over there and, and Germany. And so, mm-hmm started to roll. And, uh, and then I, you know, I said, okay, let's, uh, make this, uh, legit. You know, I, I, uh, start to make more content and, um, and now I'm taking it locally, um, and internationally. 
So it's a cross-training collective, basically. Yeah. That's fantastic. And now let me go even more out of like the concept of, of rubber meets the road. What does the actual sense of context and, and unity mean for you, independent of your business with it? Because I really like to use that word, like, you know, these things matter within context. So what was that light bulb moment? And what are the contexts that make you then look at things differently, um, more conceptually, less your your approach through the the business? Unity, unity to me. So it's a it's a very dear concept because I uh, I'm a school teacher. I'm an educator. Uh, my first career was a software developer, and then I um, I started in that role. I started uh, I, I I wanted to rather than just develop code, I I wanted to teach the code. I wanted to help my users mm -hmm. and this and that. And uh, uh, but I got frustrated in that in that career. So um, for various reasons. But uh, my my friend said uh, I should migrate into education. Um, because because my natural, I guess you could say, vocation to to communicate and to help people, you know, intrinsically and, and just to help people grow and th things. So I got into education. And as an educator, um, you know, we have students from all walks of life. Every every year I have a, an average between 25 to 30 different individuals and we're all bound by the same goals. You know, we want to grow. Right. And so. I see this, I, and we're all learning from different sources, right? And 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 we're mixing the ideas and 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 making educational music, so to speak. I find this is not in the karate world, of at least what I've seen, and in a lot of camps as well. They they there's a lot of like we're the best. It's just all about us, and it's you know me 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 kind of thing. And I don't feel like there's this uh, there's this openness. And this inclusive inclusion, right? And so I, I, because of this, I, I got very I got very frustrated, and I said, you know what? I'm gonna make, I'm gonna try to make a difference, and I'm gonna push what's valuable to me, which is, you know, we're all bound by the same biomechanical principles. You know, if you take a kata movement and you see, uh, you go to a kali school or a screamer school, you know, you'll see, like, say, you, you see gedan, you'll see the same kind of strip with a stick. It, uh, you'll see the same kind of disarm with a knife. Uh, you'll see uh, an Aikido guy kind of pass an arm and Tenkan and their hand is dropping. You'll see a boxer snap back with his hands down with this hand up here. Okay, there's no hikite, but there's the snap back, the same bi biomechanical principles where you're, you're rotating and then you're, you're, you're pushing forward, which is bound by a lot of the kihons that we do in karate. So because of all those similarity threads, uh, I... I over the years, I'm starting to realize, I'm thinking, hey, we are all bound by the same notes. So let's make music. So this is going to you know? knock me into my first round the horn question. And I'll actually end with you, Sensei Hansen. Um, you know, I got sober in 12 steps 15 years ago. And one of the most fundamental principles is look for the similarities, not the differences. Because yes. if you go into that meeting and you look for the differences, you'll leave that day. But if you look for the similarities, you might stick around a while. So I'm going to start with you, Sensei Dolphin, then Hanshi Legacy, then you, Sensei Suino. At what point do you look for the similarities, not the differences? And at what point do you stop and go, yeah, but now I found what I need? Sensei Dolphin? Well, I was lucky to stumble in. People always tell me I'm lucky because Sensei Legacy is my teacher and I've had that one teacher right from the beginning. I found a great teacher on the very first day that I walked in to the room and uh, and I love Sean Rue, it really works for me. I do agree with uh, Sensei Hansen about the 
the biomechanical principles because for me, when I go, whether it's uh, Sifu Grayson or the people, if the people are nice and they're open, I mostly hear the same message coming back at me over and over and over again, even on this call of experience that we've had so many people on here. We've had Calais people. We've had a, you know, a, a scream of people. We've had um, white crane Kung Fu people. We've had karate people. We've had Aikido people. The things they say always resonate with what I hear Sense of Legacy saying to me. Like, yeah. I don't hear big differences, right? Now, <clears throat> I do think, uh, I guess I want to be a little bit controversial. I do think some styles are better than other styles because I think some styles are inherently flawed and I'm not going to name them because I don't want people to get offended by that. Um, but, you know, like they're just their focus is too narrow. Like something like Shoranur has a fairly broad focus when it comes to striking elbows, knees, clinching, takedowns, whereas some do not. Um, so then you got to, I guess, diverge a little more than, right? I, I guess diverge and experiment a little more in other systems. That's just my opinion on that. And on Hanshi Legacy, you want to look for the similarities, not the differences. What are your thoughts on that? And can you take that too far? Uh, no, the similarities are definitely there. And that's why uh, one style is good because everything is in there. But I also agree that you have to look at different angles at it. And that's where you get friends. And to make music, you have to be able to play one instrument good, right? or you can't just be shitty at a bunch of little different things. <laughs> you have to understand, you have to understand your style before you can go out and look for those similarities. But I agree that you do have to go out and look at jujitsu, uh, EI. They all have gifts and agree, again, I agree that they're all related in some way. So again, uh, uh, as Sean said, it's about, learning what's under your feet first and then going out and exploring other styles and adding to yours. Thanks, Hachi. Sensei Suino, anything you want to add or play with there with that thinking? You know, a lot's been said, but uh, Sensei Hansen alluded earlier to the fact that we're all composed of kind of the same physical structure. Obviously, not everybody has the same build. Some people are missing an arm or a leg. But basically, right, we work on the same biomechanical principles. Uh, we have skeletons, muscles, connective tissue. And uh, if you're creating power, there's only a certain number of ways to do it. Plenty of nuance within those ways. And um, I believe, and at some point we could talk about this at length, that the reason styles have a certain look is because of the way they generate power. Right on. Thanks, Sensei. Okay. Um, I just want to chip in real quick before we go to Sensei Hansen with this idea. You know, I heard a great phrase once, it's easier to break a man than build a man. And, uh, you know, you can break a man in one comment or one day, whereas you build someone over time. And the idea that somebody, and this goes to what you said, Sensei Dolphin, has like maybe a flawed style, but to then connect with them on the similarities is quietly helping to build. And maybe it shines a light on what they are missing. And maybe they call you later instead of, going that shit i'm moving on it's easy to do that it's tougher to quietly connect and i really love the idea of similarities versus differences sensei hansen 
Yeah, I uh, I love this. Uh, I, I just writing some stuff down so I don't forget. But uh, back to Hanshi's statement where, you know, uh, you need a base. I, I love that. I mean, um, I, uh, I've always been one of the main criticisms of some of the things I've been doing is, dude, you're, you're, you're a jack of all trades, but you're a master of none, right? Uh, type of thing. It's like, you know, you're, you're dipping your, your hands into so many different things, but you're not really understanding your karate. Um, I, that's, they're saying this simply because they don't, they don't know me. This is just simply uh, something, a judgment that they see based on, you know, a text or a comment or one or two videos. And then they jump to this conclusion is like, whereas, you know, people that know me, um, like I put in uh, 14 years in Shorinru and about 12, 12 in Kempo. Uh, and I, I haven't stopped learning. Uh, I, I, I still train. And uh, um, after, after that time, I, I started to realize that, in my opinion, I think I had a pretty strong base. And now it was time for me to look at attributes. And so like, um, I, I fully agree with uh, Hanshi's uh, idea that, you know, you need a base, uh, you know, before you can play music. You need to know the notes really well. You need to have a good knowledge of scale and and uh, musical signatures and things like that in order for you to make music. So um, back to, uh, to to the core here, um, I, I wrote down an idea that I that I think uh, uh, you guys might might uh, uh, w- hopefully will appreciate. It's about soccer. So I had this interesting com- conversation with a friend of mine, and he 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 uh, he's a uh, big soccer fan and he had a he had a, a, a great talk with uh his his friend who plays uh, uh professional soccer and he says that uh um on his on his on his training days on his off days he'll uh he'll go off and cross train in racket sports um squash table tennis normal normal tennis right and these these activities uh give him um fine tuning on his footwork for soccer so it, it, it gives him, uh, it, it teaches him how to change his balance on the dime, uh, how, to, how to drop, how to shoot in and, and all these kind of things. And um, he literally found such high return on investment in cross-training in racket sports to improve his soccer skills. Um, and, uh, and, and he was just looking at, at the footwork piece. You, you see what I'm saying? And, like, and so I find that the cross-training is very important, but the the time the time the timing in which you do it, I think, is important. Like you you can't do it right away when you start. I think you know you you need to do it at a reasonable time when you've achieved some sort of proficiency in your base art. Yeah, Sensei Dauphin. Yeah, I wanted to. You said something, uh, Sensei Hansen, about you know, oh, you don't understand your own art. I don't know what you find, but I find when I receive those types of criticisms, they're usually from recreational martial artists. Yeah. Right. They're from somebody who trains two times a week. Um, And my response to them usually is, oh, yeah, how many times did you karate this week? And they'll say, oh, on Monday and Wednesday. And I'm like, "Okay, well, I did it Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and every other Sunday. And I did Iaido like five days that week. And I did you know, and so they're, they're leveling those criticisms based on their own level of training. It's very rare. I've, you know, I do Iaido a lot. When I stand in front of Sensei Legacy, he never says, oh, you know, your karate sucks because you're doing Iaido, right? Like that's, 
I've, I've never heard that because I make sure that I, as you do, keep the stuff at the level that it needs to be at. Right. Yeah. Sensei Suino. Yeah. And you know, uh, we were just chatting about this the other day. There's some really high profile people that are using a different art to improve their core art. Two examples that come to mind back when Arnold was, a uh, was uh, competing in Mr. Olympia, he would go to ballet instructor so he could move better, right? Oh, I love that. I use that a lot. Yeah, yeah. And and more recently, in the last couple of weeks, there's a pretty big time uh, American (laughs) football player who is starting to go into judo to improve his uh, uh, chances of not getting hurt or getting concussions when he falls. I mean, there's just tons of opportunities for this. And you're talking about guys that are at the apex of their key, you know, their core profession, right? Well, cool stuff. Think, yeah, an important thing you mentioned as well about the, you know, the table tennis or the racket sports is to improve his footwork for soccer. You know, like I know for myself, there's been periods where I've been a weightlifter and done karate and they did this with each other. Hmm. And then there's times where I've lifted weights for my martial arts and they do this together, hmm. you know. And so for me, once I solved the umbrella being my martial arts and everything else fits then it ceased to be it's like now i'm going to lift for my martial arts i'm not just lift because now they might contradict each other in terms of how i'm even lifting so i I love the idea of you know cross training for the thing with a goal not just cross training randomly like i do seven things disparately yeah it has to be purposeful i i i always have uh um talks with all my coach friends and my students you know bottom line know your why yeah. Well, ladies and gentlemen who are watching, I think that's a beautiful opening. And by the way, I want to say, Sensei, it's such a pleasure to start chatting with you, but also the fact that you're taking notes as we chat because you don't want to forget things. You're going to fit right in because you're going to notice us writing a bunch because of how much we want to take in from you. So it's a real pleasure to already begin with that reciprocity. Uh, ladies and gentlemen who are watching and listening, as I mentioned, my name is Sean Benson. I'm one of your hosts, and I'm here with Sensei Randy Dauphin, Sensei Nicholas Suino, and Hanshi Gary Legacy. And I always like to say a little something about us, and I just want to say that this last weekend, we had the tournament that Hanshi Legacy created, the Matsumura Challenge, that Sensei Dauphin 99% ran. And at some point as I'm refing, I get the flags in my hand, and I hear one of my favorite voices in the world. I'm like, what the fuck? And I look over there, Sensei Suino standing behind, because he came up to support. And uh, Sensei Dauphin, you may or may not want to touch on this, but I believe it was the best attended uh, best size tournament we've had. It was a beautiful Saturday. Uh, I just saw martial art after martial art. And, you know, I did compete, but I enjoyed the refing and the judging because I was engaged with the young competitors. And it was beautiful. It was one of the best weekends tournaments I've ever been to. And I just want to say thanks to to the three of you for being there and 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 supporting it. No problem. Before I go, I'll, I'll make a couple of comments about it. Uh, when Sensei Legacy and I talked about 2019, which is the last one we did, I think we did one of the very last tournaments before the pandemic hit. And yeah. that was our previous best uh, tournament. And we had like 16 schools and about 183 competitors. And I'm really happy to say that we had 32 clubs at our tournament. And we had 300 competitors and probably 250 spectators, another 50 referees and, you know, 32 coaches it was just and everybody got along with each other they all got along competition was fierce but everybody celebrated the winners karate unity like it was yeah it was karate unity in action and uh as far as uh, my role in it 
if it's getting better because of my efforts, it's because I'm standing on the shoulders of other people. So that allows me to throw the ball a little farther, maybe, right? But without standing on those people's shoulders, then it's going to fall flat. Wow, Anything exactly. we do is just like the show. You do it as a team. There's no one of us who's smarter than all of us. And there's no one of us that can do more than all of us together. And so that's what I want to say about that. And then I want to introduce my, uh, my new friend, Sensei Chris Hansen. Uh, Sensei Hansen is based out of Toronto, Canada, right where you are, Sean Benson. Down to the universe. Yes. <laughs> Uh, and he's studied martial arts for over 40 years. Um, he's uh, a third Dan in uh, Nisi Kempo Karate, but he's also holds black belts in uh, a few different martial arts, and he cross trains in numerous arts, as we've been talking about. Uh, since Dan teaches private lessons, small group workshops, and international seminars. And before the show we were talking about, I know you, he has one coming up in, in Michigan that he's going to be going to. So we'll get, we'll dig into those uh, with him in a little bit. Um, like all of us outside of martial arts, uh, he has an important life as a husband and a father. He was a former software developer and blogger. He has a really good podcast, Karate Unity. Um, we've all been stalking it and watching it. He's had some high profile people on there, which is also, also super cool. And he's an educator. He's currently an elementary school teacher. Um, that that uh, YouTube channel, Karate Unity, he started that in 2018. And since then, he's got over 2,000 subscribers, which is in all that chatter and noise on YouTube. It's hard to build your, your brand, and he's doing a good job with it. Um, and his videos have more than 130,000 views. Um, yeah, and Karate Unity, is, it's to explore cross-training in other arts and combat sports for one reason, to improve your karate. And I know... Sensei will like that. I like that too. I, that, that really stood out for me. I'm going to say it again. Explore cross-train in other arts and combat sports for one reason, to improve your karate. And if you're a judo practitioner, you should be doing it for your judo. And if you're a BJJ practitioner, you should be doing it for your BJJ. The philosophy is the same, just change the last word. Um, for me, we have shared friends. Uh, you know, Scott Taylor is a good friend of mine. Uh, Sensei Hansen is a good friend of Scott Taylor's. As a matter of fact, I was teaching a class and they both came walking in here about a month ago. And that was my first time that I, I got to meet uh, Sensei Hansen. Also, good friends with just a total young stud, uh, Ryan Feiss. Ryan, yeah. uh, Ryan was the grand champion at our tournament. He won everything. As soon as he did a move, the rest of the division just kind of went, okay. <laughs> second is the new first we have lots of shared interests which means that uh it's really easy to talk with uh with sensei hansen he's a very genuine person i in my opinion no pretense no no pomp and circumstance and yeah we're gonna have a good chat and thank you so much uh, sensei hansen for coming on the podcast with us thank you for having me Appreciate Thanks, that. Sensei. So just a little shout out to everybody who's watching um, on the YouTube channel, uh, not in real time. We're so happy you're here. Hit that subscribe, hit that like button, share it with your friends. To everybody listening on the podcast, drive safely while you're listening or, uh, you know, I hope your ingredients go into your baking dish really well right now while you're listening. And to those of us who are with us here tonight on Zoom, that makes you part of our living history. And we have the chat button at the bottom of the screen, which uh, Robert just lit up for us. So you can answer your questions answer your quest or enter your questions to be answered by sensei hansen um 
or if it's for all of us, we can pass around the horn and then you get to be part of this history that is punch, kick, choke, chat. And we're just super grateful you're here because we're we're loving this run on this show. And are we at 100 apps yet? Like we must be at like 98 or something, right? It's getting close. Getting close. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll keep everybody apprised on that because that's going to be a big celebration night, whoever our guest is. Maybe we'll wear uh, hats and bring party favors. Um, <laughs> anyways, <laughs> let's get to our guest tonight. Sensei Hansen, this is yes, my question to ask everybody. Oh, is um, What was it like growing up for you? What brought you into your first, first dojo and what kept you there? Ooh. Uh, can you repeat that again one more time? Sure. Well, what <laughs> was it like for you growing up pre-martial arts? And then what brought you into your first, first dojo? And then I'll hit you with the third one when we're there. Okay, so growing up, I got, I got to write this down. Short-term memory, man. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, I got into martial arts. Um, uh, well, I was forced. Um, in a nutshell, I, I grew up in Scarborough, uh, Nielsen and Shepherd area. Went to school there, elementary school, and I um, I was there for for a long time. Uh, the I I'm I'm 54. Uh, I'm a 1968 baby. Uh, I grew up in a very racially tense time in that area. Uh, I was the only uh, uh, mixed Asian kid in, in my class. And uh, so, you know, a very typical story. I, I got bullied every single day from, uh, you know, my skin color to the si to size of my ears to what I wore to the smell on my clothing to my grandma to the type of music I listened to, the pencil case that I had, you name it, right? Um, I, got, I was getting beaten up a couple of times uh, during the week too. I mean, uh, somewhat serious too. Like I, I had lacerations on my face and I uh, got kicked in various places and this and that. And anyway, my dad said enough's enough. Um, you got, you got to do some, you got to do something. So you're either going to go into hockey or karate. You got to do something to get you stronger. So I didn't want to do hockey because um, at the time, uh, all, all the guys that bullied me were in the hockey league over there. So I said, okay, let me try this thing, this karate thing that you're saying, right? So um, I went to a, a community center um, where um, Kwai Wong uh, had uh, some of his top students uh, teaching there. Um, it was at, um, I think, uh, Midland, Midland, no, Mid, Mid Scarborough Community Center at Ken Kennedy and Eglinton. I don't know if you're familiar with Scarborough there, but uh, uh, it was a 20-week crash course there, and I, I took that. I fell in love with it. Um, and then... Um, um, I, I realized that in this community, there was white, black, uh, Asian, girls, boys, um, fat, skinny, you name it, timid, shy, strong, all kinds of people. I could actually breathe. I felt very relaxed, very comfortable, very inclusive. Um, I was hooked, man, um, with this group fitness vibe. I've never experienced anything like it where you're standing in a line, you're actually doing things in synergy, you're breathing and just the whole wearing of a gi and things snapping and all this kind of stuff was just so visceral for me. I, anyway, I said, uh, the course was done and I was almost in tears and, uh, uh I said, dad, I got to do more of this. And so the head instructor said, listen, um, uh, our core Hambu Dojo is in, uh, is in Scarborough. Um, go and see Kwai Wong. So that's when it started, man. I, I put in 14 years on the map there, nonstop, a couple of times a week. Uh, would train with, a, with, 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 I made a lot of friends there and would train on the weekends and this and that. And then I, I, uh, I, I met different martial artists and then I 
they introduced me to uh, uh, Dainisi Kempel, um, uh, which is a Vic Arnold's system. He passed away in 2015. Um, he was one of the most, uh, how could I say? He basically said to me, he says, go out there, travel, train, and teach, share your craft, learn new things, bring it back to us. It's like mm. food. We're going to sample it and we're, we're going we're gonna to taste it and enjoy it together and learn from it. That blew my mind. Mm. So that kind of uh, habit form was formed in my mind. And then I started meeting more people. I would start seeking out more people like that. And that's when this cross-training journey started, right? So my first dojo was Kwai Wong, uh, uh, Kwai, uh, uh, Wong's Martial Arts in Scarborough. Uh, and then my second dojo was um, uh, uh, Danny C. Kempel with Finn. Why is the martial arts so inclusive? Like, what, what, how is it that back there in the early 70s, I'm guessing that was, or mid 70s, you're finding something among tough men and women who you would not necessarily associate with being progressive. And all of a sudden, when you geed up, it's a colorblind room. H how does that happen? Well, I found, um, like I said, uh, I found a lot of us had one thing in common. We, we had, uh, we had a lot of self-esteem issues. We had things that we were battling, problems with our family, uh, issues with our bosses, this and that. We, we all had issues. We're all struggling through things. And we found that the moment for that 90 minutes that we're in that, in, in that activity, we were just hyper-focused on the now. Um, and we were, everything we did had a, a strategic, mindful goal. And that is to get better um, with each other's help, you know, and we were all there with the same, for the same mission. And there was no question about it. Uh, it was just one of those, those, it was a moral and physical and mental code. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and, and that's, that's what bound us together, you know? Um, mm -hmm. and I mean, I've, I've played sports before too. I mean, you could say, you could argue the same thing on a, on a, on a sports team, but there's something, there's something higher level in, in a martial arts uh, activity, I'd say, that brings us together. And that's that common, that common goal to be together and grow and learn and just, you know, forget everything else. <laughs> you um, know? Hanchi yeah. Legacy, I want to jump to you for that one. You know, you arguably came from a world right before karate that maybe wasn't as inclusive. And then the man I met in the 90s, I mean, you always treated the room as colorblind <laughs> and sexblind. Like, how does the martial arts get that way when it's founded by tough men and soldiers who normally might not appear that way? Well, you know, respect. Because, you know, you guys like Muhammad Ali or those guys, they always mostly end up being polite because they know of the ins and outs. Nobody's going to get tough with you. So, you know, when a person goes in there, they go in with an open mind. No bullies are going to come in there and start mouthing off or pushing people around. So you feel like you're in a safe environment, mm. right? You know, bullies, they always like to be able to push you around. But if anybody pushes back, they don't go there. And that, that's, sort of, uh, that's sort of what martial arts gives you. Also, it, it helps you, you know, overcome, um, gives you confidence, helps you overcome uh, or gives you the, the courage to face bullies. And so everybody there is with one common interest. So I don't think they see your size, your color, 
or any of that stuff. Um, I've had a few people from different um, different countries, and um, they always said that they've always everyone. I have never heard anyone uh, talk about racism or anything like that in martial art. Everybody's treated as a human being. So I think that that's what it is. The sensei is important. The sensei is the guy who who sets the ground rules. And like I said, bullies are not going to push a good sensei around. It's just he just he won't get tough with them, but he'll just ask them. To. Thanks, Hanchi. Um, sensei Sweeney, where do you go with this? Especially having experienced your own version of being the outsider in Japan. Yeah, well, um, long before that, I think what Hanchi said is, you know, definitely resonates with me. The sensei or the role models are really important. You know, when I was a kid coming up in the um, in the in the uh, in judo at the YMCA, you know, there's a bunch of us chuckle-headed nine-year-olds in the room, and someone strange would walk in, and you know, we're all getting ready to be smart asses, and the sensei would turn to that person and say, "Oh, this is so and so. They're really effing good at judo. Here, learn from them." You know, and then next thing you know, an hour's gone by, the sensei is respecting them, all the seniors are respecting them, they can kick your ass. It's not a it's not an act anymore. Like you're polite when you have to be in the beginning. By the end of the hour, you're like, I'm on board. I don't care what they look like, right? <laughs> so it's it's a really um it's a really uh fundamental way of convincing you that people's value is something other than the things that uh you know hang on the outside of them. Right on sensei dofa. I guess one of the, it's just a thought, like I've never thought about this before until this question came up. So this is a new thought in my brain. But one thing that was really clear to me when I joined the dojo was my place. And my place wasn't my place because I was a white man. My place was my place because of my abilities. And the people who had more abilities than me, whether they were Asian or black or white or men or women, had their place because their skill was higher. Like they had a higher ability and a higher skill. So I learned my place and it wasn't based on race or anything like that. It was just based on this person's just better than me. So I need to do what they tell me to do, whether they're white or black or a man or a woman. Um, and I think that's maybe one of the things in the dojo is there's also, if you try and be a dick, there's consequence. Right. <laughs> right? Like, there's, there's a consequence to that right like if i want to go in to a dojo and be a misogynist well you're probably going to find yourself in front of some woman who's going to like roundhouse your ass into oblivion or like punch <laughs> you in the face and then you're going to figure that you're your place really quick yeah love that sensei um i just want to add one little thought hanshi because you mentioned the confidence and i think that 99 of all racism and homophobia and misogyny comes from fear you know fear of the other fear of things and when you're confident you're not afraid of that other thing and so it's just like becomes inconsequential hopefully but i i, I made that connection when you said that you gain confidence and then you're less concerned with trying to diminish a thing you don't understand um john before you go to uh yeah. and i just want to mention when sensei legacy was inducted in the canadian black belt hall of fame uh, Sensei Jim Maloney, who's a Mi'kmaq Indian, was there, right? He's an Indigenous person. And he started with this speech, and everybody was kind of tense, right? Because he was talking about racism and how he was treated. And then 
And then at the very end, he said, except in the martial arts community, anytime I stepped onto the dojo floor, everybody treated me as an equal and treated me well and respected me. Right. So we hear this over and over again. Love that. Um, when was it that you felt like the live pressure? I love that term you used. Um, showed what you knew, maybe not to be either adequate or complete. Oh, great question. Um, it's an easy answer for me because I, I, uh, I'm thinking about the moment that it changed. Uh, I got my ass kicked with a boxer. <laughs> I, uh, so in that journey, um, I, I'd say around the 13th, 14th year, um, I met a lot of different martial artists and uh, I actually started to, you know, just get curious, you know, what else is out there? Not, not, not out of any disrespect, just out of learning. I just wanted to know, you know, what else is out there? You know, because I often, you know, we, we define ourselves with our organization. We define ourselves just in, in the walls of our dojo. Um, and um, I, because of my, my upbringing, I, I was always taught to, you know, learn from everywhere, right? So my grandma and my my dad, my mom, and they would always tell me, you know, to keep learning, keep learning from different things, right? So anyway, I met different martial artists, one of which was uh, a student of, uh, uh, of Vic Arnold. Um, and uh, by the way, uh, uh, Ryan, uh, Ryan Feiss uh, is a, is, was, a, is a, was also a student of, of Vic. Him, that's how we met, um, uh, Sensei Randy. But um, um, yeah, so I met, uh, losing my train of thought here. I, yeah, so I, I met a student of, of Vic and um, we touched hands and uh, he, he told me that, uh, you know, they cross train in, 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 in different combat sports too. Um, and then, uh, so I started, uh, I started, uh, you know, looking out for training with these different kind of people. So I came across um, a boxer uh, who trained in Jeet Kune Do, Muay Thai and Savat. Um, and so his hands uh, and his and his foot mobility was was unbelievable. In about twenty five seconds, uh, so he, he came into my house and we we trained in this and that. And uh, first time I met him, um, and um, uh, within twenty five seconds, you know I, I'm I'm used to you know a different way of holding my hands. You know from training at, at Wong's, you know we, it'd be very circular and I would hold my hands low and um, I would kind of stay in one spot. I wouldn't be moving around type of thing. I I, I would you know, I would, I would take angles in this and that, but I wasn't as elusive as this, this man. And so I chopped his hand and I, I got in and he says, Oh, good, good. He goes, uh, let's go, let's keep going. And so within the first 10, 15 seconds, he read my reaction and I chopped his hand again. And he just basically felt it, felt the pressure, went around and just hooked me, boom. And I was out and I was winded too, because my legs weren't used to this type of cardio like I, I wasn't used to this type of cardio uh, I wasn't used to moving my head um anyway I just said to myself I gotta learn boxing um and and so uh, boxing to me was a great delivery system and that opened my eyes to uh it, it was kind of like um gasoline to my uh dachiwaza all my stances it's like I got new meaning now for nikawashi dachi for shiko dachi for for uh, different different back stances and stuff, I, I would see it. I would see karate through the lens of boxing footwork, 
And I said to myself, wow, you know, I, I said, just a, it's like a different change of perspective is making the stuff I know already so much better. And so then I, uh, I went to his gym and I trained uh, at Sam Lumpini gym for a long time. Um, and he's a, a, mix, a mixed martial art, Savat Muay Thai, uh, kickboxing, Krav Maga and all these things. And yeah. So I don't know if I answered the question. I, I think oh, I digressed a little absolutely. bit. Absolutely, you answered um, that question. And so okay. is that what then led you toward the Kempo? Or, or, yes, or yes. Started yes, yes, wow. yes, yes. So yeah, that's what led, led me to uh, Vic Arnold. And Vic was, I swear, um, I I get emotional talking about the man. Uh, I, I'm in my dojo now. I have his photo right there, man. But uh, uh, he uh, he was such a chill man. You know, he, he, we, he would... Uh, I would train uh, privates with him um, and I would pay like next to nothing. And I would train with him for four to four and a half hours privates in, at his house. Um, and he would basically say, um, let's, let's study this. Let's infuse this. Let's take a look at this. Bring next, next week, bring the book that you were talking about. Let's look at it together. Write this down, study this, put a sticky note on here. Um, he would, encourage me to study like really study martial arts and it was not just me doing it we would do it so mm. we would do it together and he knew i was cross training at at this uh at samlumpini gym and he said show me some videos of of this man and and you know i, I would show him you know some of the things we we're doing and he says i like this and he's going uh all right keep training bring it back we'll we'll uh, we'll work with it together so this type of, uh, how could I say no to a man like this? I, I fell in love with this guy. Uh, so he, that was my next journey. Uh, so I, I put a lot of time with him, uh, you know, and I, I carry this, I carry all, all of my teachers' uh, teachings and ideas with me. It's just a wonderful journey, man. That sounds fantastic. I actually want to start with you, Sensei Suino. What's something a teacher told you younger that you didn't understand until older? <laughs> Boy, that's a that's a toughie. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is uh, my Iaido teacher Yamaguchi Sensei um, used to tell me to cool my jets. Not in those words, but mm. you know, I was a 28 year old young man training my ass off, competing. You know, just uh, embracing life. And I come in the dojo and I'd be like, you know, I'd say, Sensei, 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 check this out. I got this idea. This this idea. This idea. You can look at me and listen. He go, mm, good. Let's train, and you know, just shut me down. And uh, I appreciated it at the time. Of course, I would have done anything for the guy, but now I understand more about why he did that. It forced me to go inward and deepen my thoughts about whatever it was I was expressing. And um, I I now find myself doing that for my students as well. Right on, um, Hanshi Legacy. You had you had a reaction to that question. It's a big question. What's what's a lesson you maybe didn't get at the time, but you appreciate now, or even a way of being, not even necessarily a lesson. Relax, relax. Your mind has to be calm. You know, it's just like a bucket of water. If it's splashing around, you can't get you can't see your image in it, so you can't really see what's happening. You need to be calm. That was for me. Uh, I was like hyper all the time, aggressive, didn't realize that she'd calm everything down. It took me quite a while. 
Right on. Sensei Dofa? Didn't understand younger. I didn't know anything. I was just like a dumbass, right? So, um, um, you know, I, I guess I can remember with Sense of Legacy, like, you know, we spent so many hours to get like hundreds of thousands of hours together. Very similar to what Sensei Hansen's talking about. Like, and not only in the dojo, but driving in the car, going different places. And Sensei would talk to me about things. And then I, mm -hmm. I'd have these like thoughts in my mind when I was independent away from him. And I'd come back and I'd be like, just like Sensei Suino was saying, Sensei Legacy, like I had this thought, this is like this new crazy thing. And he'd say, oh yeah, I did that in like 1974. And I'd be like, oh shit, okay. I thought, and I guess uh, one of the things that I would say is um, I've kind of learned that it's just repeating itself, right? And the new things are small things. They're not... Mm -hmm they're very, very minuscule. It's not like a major thing. Um, and that's led me to just understand that, you know, what is my goal in martial arts to stay in martial arts as long as I can pass it along and hopefully just end up being a wall, a picture on somebody's wall. Right. Um, you know, in Iido, I would say one of the things that I know now is in the beginning, when I would be with Sensusfino, everything was very general and it wasn't very specific right? For me, he was very specific, but I kept it very general. Right? Mm. Oh, yeah, my sword's on my hip. Oh, yeah, I'm putting my hand on the handle. Oh, yeah, <laughs> like I'm, I'm pulling it out like I'm. But um, now I know that when he gives a specific correction, I need to go work on that thing very specifically. Right? That very specific thing, very specifically and very diligently. And that's been a long time now, like I've been doing that. But in the first 10 years of my Iido is just very general, I would right. say. I'll just throw two quick ones out. Sensei Dofan, one of the big ones you said so early, and I never understood it till like years later, is just slow down and do it right. You know, I was always trying to do it right at the cutting edge of how it would end up being for decades. And I feel like only recently have I learned what slowing down to get it right and then speed <laughs> really looks like. And Anshi, the one thing you've taught me and Sensei Dofan here is just losing to win. Sensei, you and I have talked about that a lot lately. Like, I didn't, I didn't realize losing to win didn't mean getting maybe a bruise on your forearm. Like there's a, there's a different version of it in the pocket, et cetera, that I, I did, didn't drop in for decades as well. I thought I was losing to win while still defending with like long jabs, the possibility of getting hurt and not really gaining much from it. Um, Sensei Hansen, talk to us about that next while then with, with Vic Garnold and, and what that, um, what that training regimen looked like. And then what that brought you to, how that brought you to realizing your own path. I, uh, so I, I went out his way to, um, in Durham region there, um, Oshawa, I would travel there. I, I live, I lived, uh, at the time with my parents, um, in Scarborough, uh, Nielsen and Shepherd area. So it would be like about, 45 minutes to an hour depending on traffic you know um anyway i'd go out there and uh, we trained at a club called adonis adonis martial arts um and um i don't know if, i don't know if that club still exists now um but uh uh yeah so sensei vic arnold was uh running that club for years um and one of his top students uh uh, Doug, Doug Gillian, uh, he's a, a RCMP, uh, officer and a, a student of, uh, Vic too. And anyway, um, we, uh, yeah, the, the training was, uh, 
was amazing. Um, I went there and, you know, I, I, uh, I told him, I said, uh, uh, sensei, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wear my white belt. Um, and, uh, you know, I want to, I want to start fresh, uh, empty cup kind of thing. And he, he told me, he says, who's, who's your teacher before? And I said, uh, Kwai Wong. And he goes, ah, Kwai Wong, iron Chinese man. He goes, I know him. And he says, uh, listen, you came from him. You're going to wear whatever you, whatever you had before. And, uh, and, and I said, but you know, out of respect to your students, uh, I, I don't want to cause any issues. He goes, my guys will just have to understand he goes, you, you'll just learn and you keep, keep moving on and we'll grade you accordingly, you know? Um, and so it was a very free form, uh, system. He, in, in terms of, he would bring in ideas from practically anywhere. And it was a reflection of his learning style. Vic was, a. uh, a, a lifelong learner. He would spend hours in libraries, um, taking profuse notes, uh, studying videos, and he became very uh, proficient in the internet. You know, and uh, it, it was uh, it was quite amazing. You know, he would he would share all these uh, videos with us and um, bring in uh, tapes and put his uh, you know VCR there, and we'd watch things and study. And anyway, he fostered a very uh, academic but freestyle cross-training type of environment um and um he he allowed me uh, sometimes to take teach class too and express myself and that was all part of uh, his his grading you know and he encouraged us to go out and, and train uh, with other people you know based on uh, once we've uh, exhibited certain proficiency in, in certain things of course and so that sparked me to to do something to record things to write things down and he, he told me he says listen I, I think we're at a stage now where we can travel together he goes because uh, he was a, also a student of uh, uh ed parker he uh he would take a uh, a lot of seminars with ed and ed certified him under under his system too in the kempo system and and so anyway he, he told me he says you know this is where it's at too he says you, you need to go out and and travel this is traveling is a great way to learn you know, about culture and in, in, in anything, right? So he says, particularly in the martial arts, go out there and put yourself out there and learn and share and train and, you know, and bring back. So that's what got me going. So I, I started, uh, I kind of wish we did more of that. Uh, he passed away in 2015, but I, I'm, I'm holding the torch now and I'm, I'm always thinking of him and, uh, you know, Karate Unity is, 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 is exactly that now. It's a collective of people. Uh, we're all friends. You know, and and uh, we we all we all share seminars together. We share gradings together. One of my gradings that I just had, um, I, I pulled together some some of our uh, some some of my friends together and at the grading. And my student had to learn learn from these guys prior. You know, um, that was part. That's that's what Vic wanted us to do, too. Right. So, yeah. Time for your ten questions, Chris Sensei. Um, we are at. Our beautiful 9.30, when every one of our guests oh, wow. gets the same 10 questions, and we ask that you answer as impulsively as you can, but feel free to elaborate after that. What is the most effective move in your martial arts arsenal? <clears throat> is that for me? Yeah, these are all for you. No one else is going to chime in. It's all you. Okay. Uh, chopping. Cutting the distance and shutting down limbs. Who is the most influential martial artist in your life? Oh, that's a hard one. When I first discovered 
who Bruce Lee is. He kind of made me do a deep dive into thinking about cross training because Bruce did that quite well. Um, so then who do you think is the most influential martial artist of all time and why? It's hard to say. Um, I don't have an answer to that. I, I, I think there's a lot of influential martial artists out there. Um, I can't, I wouldn't do justice if I just said one. <laughs> um, yeah, so, sorry. I can't, I, I, to me, I mean, I, I hold dear personally, my teachers, all my teachers, they all have a, they all have a time and a place in, in, in my training, you know? So yeah, sorry. I can't, I can't, I can't be specific on that. All good. It's your answers and, and, and that makes them right. What excites you most about the next five years of your training? Well, uh, I'm 54. Um, I'm nearing the end of my career uh, in teaching in elementary school teaching. I, I'd like to, if if the numbers work out right, I I'd like to uh, retire within the next couple of years. Um, and so I'm kind of looking at taking karate unity uh, to another level in terms of just international travel, which I've have started over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. um, I've partnered up with also some some authors. Um, Chris Wilder, for instance, is one. We're going to be doing a, a project together, a filming project. Um, this uh, ha have you guys heard of Chris Wilder? Do you, do you know who who he is? Sensei I don't Chris know. Wilder. He he's a uh, he's a uh, an uh, an avid author and uh, a goju stylist uh, as well as he's cross trained in in judo. Um, Chris uh, K R I S Wilder W I L D E R. If, if you look him up, you mm -hmm. you'll you'll get a better idea of who he is. But uh, so yeah, so things like that. Um, networking and collaborating with uh, different martial artists. Um, I I'm, I'm excited, and I you know I of course I I have to. It's work life uh, family balance too. I have to I have to uh, keep everybody happy. I have a wife and a and a daughter and I, you know, I can't neglect them. So I, you know, we we negotiate and 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 plan these projects together. And um I got the thumbs up from my wife uh, on, on some of these projects. So yeah, it, it, doing that seminars, uh filming, collaborating with other martial artists and just keep keep moving and keep teaching and training and just keep going. Yeah. Right on. Uh, if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you get there? You reached out. You did well. Um, you've done the best you could. Um, you've you've been honest and truth truthful. Um, do you have a favorite film and television martial artist, even if they're not actually martial artists, but on the screen? Favorite film and or TV martial artist. Um, Bruce Lee, uh, I, I, I like, I like the raid. Uh, uh mm. have you seen that movie? You guys yeah, seen the movie, the excellent. raid, the raid redemption. Oh, Ikawa Wies. Yeah. He's, he's cool. And all, all the team, uh, of, uh, Silat practitioners. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah. Um, is there a martial artist living or dead in all of recorded history who you'd like to train with the most? Well, I had him on my channel, uh, Boss Rutten. 
Uh, where I'm, 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 boss was on my channel in uh, 2019, um, so I'd love I'd love to go there. I I I, I keep in touch with his train with one of his trainers there, uh, uh, Dana Dana uh, Dana Hernandez, and uh, we're we're planning that. So I, I'd like to go there and train with Boss. Yeah, that's awesome. Boss is a yeah. total legend. Yeah. Um, if everyone in the world could have the greatest benefit you've gotten from martial arts, whether they train or not, what would that benefit be? Touching hands with as many people as possible and making biomechanical music with your martial arts with others, you know, just bringing people together through common principles, you know, and the love of training, you know, you know. Um, the last two of our 10 questions come as a pair. What is your greatest achievement and what is your greatest regret? <clears throat> Greatest achievement is uh, my daughter. Um, my greatest regret is well, <laughs> I have a lot of regrets. Um, my greatest regret is, I guess, not making amends with people that I, I'd like. I'd like to reach out and make amends with people that I've had disagreements with. It bothers me when you know disagreements on anything. You know, like. It just bothers me at, at this age that I'm in now. I, I want to make peace with everyone. So when I die and, and pass, I know I've tried, you know, um, things like that. Yeah. Right on. Um, have, have you reached out to try and make some of those or, or is that something? Yes. Yes. And it, and it, and it's, it's, it's been, it's been good. I, I can yeah. sleep at night when that happens, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the amends process is something I've been through and go through all the time. And it's one of the greatest gifts that we can give ourselves yep. down that way. Amen. Amen. Um, let's jump back into your journey. You, you went from that boxing experience. It, it opened your eyes. It, it put you with, with Sensei Vic Arnold. In that next period with him, did you find what you were looking for? Did you find that you could then be pressured live be be in the moment did you did you get what you needed to be able to step toward those situations differently yes i uh i i often you know when, when people ask me you know what do i do what's my style you know they're they're looking for a, a specific uh simple answers that they can you know see it right it's hard for me to say that i'm a i'm a karate guy uh like to to me Karate now is is a language, you know. I I look at it as a, as just a. I'm all, I'm always going to be a karate guy, you know. Um, it, 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 I'm I'm bound by it, you know, and, and it's because like I love everything about it, um, and it defined me when I was a kid, and those impressions won't go away, you know. Um, but having said that, um, I look at karate now as just another word for like you know, empty hand to me is a template. You know, my, my hand is empty, but my, it's, my heart is open, oh, empty hand, open heart, open mind is, is, is my idea now. So it's, it's a, a delivery system for learning, you know, and I just look at martial arts now. I, I just see everything as movement, as principles that have purpose. And it's just all at the end of the day, like you go to Home Depot and you have a box of tools. You've got all these tools now and you get a chance to play with all these tools. And so that's where I'm at now. And Vic, Vic and Kwai and all, all, all of these people that I've had the pleasure to train with. It's all making sense now. You know, it's a language and I can actually have deep, 
meaningful conversations and training with people, you know, at that level now. So it, it, it's good. Yes. So the answer is yes. I've, I, I have definitely gotten what I wanted and, I, and, and it feels right. You know, I, I don't feel like I'm just doing one thing now. I feel like I'm doing one big, massive integrated thing, you know, and it just keeps growing. So it's good. <laughs> right yeah. on. Um, Sensei Dofa, I see you connecting with some of those ideas, you know, the idea of it just being this broad movement or anything. Is there anything you want to add or think about out loud there? Well, I'm just, what I'm, <clears throat> what I'm hearing from uh, Sensei Hansen is a mature type of attitude. Like even when he's talking about, you know, it's, it's not an immature, um, he's not expressing it immaturely when he's saying it's integrated and, being open-minded, making amends, all these things are things that, you know, when I was younger, I was just a competitive athlete and wanted to dominate people. And you and I have talked about this, Sean, like, you know, when I'm fighting in here now with people, I just really want to help them with their fighting. And I, you know, you can flick the switch and then bring out the beast if you want to, but I like it to not be that way. <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm hearing from Sensei Hansen, right? It's just like, there's levels to this and he's now at a high level, a high level of thinking. And uh, that is going to definitely, if you train for a long time, it's going to come out in your actual physical techniques. Right on. Um, what about you, Sensei Suino? You know, at what point does, you, you're always doing the style, but at what point does the style disappear and just become movement? Uh, when you get really, really good and you do it a lot. <laughs> um, uh you know, some martial arts are demonstration martial arts. Iaido is a demonstration martial art. Karate kata, in my view, feel free to differ, is a demonstration martial art. But sparring in karate, randori and judo, rolling, those are martial arts where you can immerse yourself. And I think you can transcend technique at some point. Um, uh, I just know that I experienced that in the world of judo and grappling. And that is that I'm just in it. And I rarely think about methodically about technique anymore but you know i've been doing that stuff since 1968 uh eventually it soaks in you know Hanshi legacy you might disagree with what i'm about to say but it could be argued that you're the most strictly dedicated to one art but also i'd argue the most formless when fighting so for you when does style become just movement and no longer style i agree with sensing it um, when you're expressing yourself there's nothing in your mind your training just comes through if we're talking about doing kata there's a way of doing different styles kung fu karate taekwondo they do that is the style like you were saying but when you become a fighter you can box you can kickbox but it's self-expression that's when you blank your mind and all your training comes through and it better be good, long, deep training. If you want to face other guys that are really good and concentrate on their fighting. But I agree, you know, learning, uh, I agree that basically physically all martial arts are different, but the effect and the change of your character is done inside. So all martial arts are good. Right on. Um, <laughs> Sensei Hansen, we had a question come in from Justin Shea, one of our black belts at Shore and Root Sensei Dolphins Club. Do you think that the cross-training journey eventually comes to some kind of conclusion? You know, do you land somewhere or does it never end? 
<laughs> uh, it, it's, it's like this. It's like a step. So there's, there's, there's many successive conclusions. Well, at least from my journey anyway. So, you know, again, like uh, I think I mentioned, I can't remember when I mentioned in this conversation um, and it was in rea reaction to something. I think we were talking about attribute training and soccer and racket sports and this and that and this and that, I think um, knowing your why. So, I mean, when I cross train, I, the when I cross train, I, I reach, I, I cross train for specific goals. So right right now, the goal, one of the goals that I'm trying to reach is I'm trying to get more proficient on the ground. And I'm trying to also uh, get my, uh, my cardio, uh, my anaerobic cardio and uh, my, uh, uh, what's the other kind of cardio, the sustainable cardio um, better, right? So um, I'm, I'm spending time with Scott Taylor, you know, uh, we, we train his jujitsu. I, I cross train now in hit training. So I've been included that now in, in my training. I've, I've kind of scrapped the bodybuilding style training. I used to do that when I was in university and, you know, bulked up and this and that. And, but now I'm utilizing kind of like what you were saying uh, earlier about, you know, your weight training for your karate, right? So I'm weight training now for my health. I'm weight training from, for speed. And I'm also weight training so that I can grip better, you know, and, and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. And so, so what, you know, what, what, once I, once I reach those kind of goals and a certain proficiency, then my cross training kind of changes now, you know, and, and, and so it, so I've reached that goal and now I kind of make other goals. So it's, it's, it's always changing. Um, so yes, I reach a goal, but then I make another goal <laughs> and, and it's, and then I get humbled when I, when I meet people who can kill those goals, you know, like I, I, Scott and his team, like those guys are beasts, man, <laughs> you know, and, and I get humbled. Like when I first met those guys, um, you know, I thought I was a pretty good striker, but man, the distance closed very quick. I became claustrophobic extremely quick. And then th these guys taught me how to be comfortable with the uncomfortable, just how to relax and flow and chill and, and, and just the drilling that these guys do it. It's a different level, man. So that, made me want to cross train more in, 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 in grappling arts, you know, and, and, and it translates into trapping and striking too. Right. So it is never ending too. So yeah, it's a bit of both. <laughs> it's a bit of both. Um, I want to make sure we have enough time. I mean, we still got a bit to go here, but I want to make sure we have enough time to talk about your seminars oh, yes. and, um, you know, how you came to create what it is you're teaching and then how you, how you present that and what you want people to know about that. Yeah. So uh, I, I, I don't want to take up too much time, but uh, I'll keep it short. Um, so one of the one of the first exposures to seminars uh, at an, inter an international level was at at the UK. So I went to the UK at, at uh, 2018 2019, and I was really nervous because I you know going to another country, I, you know I don't know what to expect and this and that. But uh, uh, on the other hand, too, I you know Facebook was a great thing, and so I got familiar with with a lot of the instructors over there and. You know, we, we, we had a lot of friendly chats and this and that. So, you know, I was going in with with some expectations and they had some expectations, too. So it was nice. Uh, I the a lot of the content that I put over there was, uh, you know, basically kata and bunkai and also show, showcasing how uh, um, boxing training, savat training, uh, grappling training, wing chun training, all of that can be 
bolt-ons and uh, you know integration points with Kata and Kihon, um, and how you know if you look at it's kind of like you know being in karate, you're in you're in your mountain, but when you have all these other people who are standing on their mountains, like a Wing Chun mountain or a Sabat mountain, a Muay Thai mountain, um, you're looking at your karate from their mountain. And, and so it, it, it's a beautiful perspective. And so I share, I share these ideas, you know, as I'm, as I'm showing them, you know, different reactions uh, on the floor and they love this stuff. And so, you know, I, I had more requests to come back. And so I went back to the UK last year uh, and I trained with Les Bupka and, and uh, Ian Abernathy, uh, you know, they invited me down and we did a joint seminar there. And um, I, I love the Brits because uh, they, they cross train a lot in their karate. Um, and you know, they, they come from very strong pedigrees, you know, like, uh, Jeff Thompson and, and the guys. And, um, so anyway, so that's, that's the UK, uh, thing happened there. And then Germany happened, uh, last year in March. Uh, and that was really cool. Uh, I think I taught, uh, I taught at a few dojos totaling about hundred, 135 to 140 students. So it was a really cool experience. Um, I was nervous as hell, but, uh, once I got on there and, and the energy was, was great. And I got a chance to taste like great German beer and it was such a great experience. Um, yeah. Um, and so, so yeah, so th that's happening and I, I have more opportunities, but you know, I'm a school teacher during, during the, uh, during the day, it's really hard. And our, our, our schedule, um, I, I just can't leave, uh, to do that. So I've got some upcoming ones, uh, in April, I'm, I'm going to, uh, Philadelphia, May, I'm going to Michigan and Muskegon. July in Germany, we're doing a cross-training seminar there. And in August, I'm going to LA and we're doing a seminar there with, uh, with a Korean, Korean school. So, and my German friends, uh, we're all going to get together and do a practical karate seminar. So lots of fun happening. That sounds yeah. fantastic. And by the way, don't worry about rushing. This is all your time. So if somebody's coming to one of your seminars, you know, what's the pitch? Like, what are they coming to get from you? Because uh, I'm excited to come to one of these and, and, and come see you. What, what are they going to be? Going I, I Yeah. Um, basically, the beauty of taking different ideas and making your base art better. So um, it doesn't matter what art you're doing. Um, it just so happens that, you know, I'm a, I'm a karate guy showcasing this cross training idea, but it, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a philosophy of training. So I'm showcasing how, uh, karate can help my stances, how karate, uh, uh, sorry, how boxing can help my stances, how savat can help my stances, how cross-training with savat, uh, sorry, with Kali guys and tactical combative instructors can, can teach me about, you know, 360 degree type of, uh, of, of thinking, you know, because a lot of, if you, like a lot of the, uh, from what I've seen, a lot of the uh, bunkai um, and um, uh, self-defense applications are very unidimensional. It's like, right here or on an angle right but they're not really thinking about level changes or surprise attacks and this and that so um so you know i i i get uh i get um uh, how could i say advice from the guys on my team uh like for example there's there's swat operators on my team um there's police guys there's uh defensive tactic instructors and so all these guys you know they they have they deal with different levels of violence uh, under different environments and so their their perspectives i integrate into my karate which i showcase to the the public as saying listen all of these ideas can make whatever you're doing better but you just got to know your purpose right so 
I kind of navigate them through finding what they want and showing them how they can get what they want through cross training. Yeah. Right on. So, so what, what, the, the one thing I really love you're talking about so much, the, the, the word is bunkai. Yes. You know, and I want to throw this to you, Hanchi Legacy. I mean, when Sensei Sandoval first came to us and started opening our eyes with the crane, so much of it was just deepening our sense of bunkai. Is that right? Well, bunkai is exactly what uh, Sensei Hansen says. Bunkai is situation self-defense, right? Or like he was saying, coming from the side or the back. Somebody grabs you by the neck and you you get out of it, you pull them around the front of you, then you're fighting. You have to fight. So situation self-defenses make you aware of your reaction timing from a dead standstill where you're doing something else. All of a sudden, somebody grabs you. You have to get used to that type of thing. So you learn on a different bunkai. But, and also fighting techniques are and principles are hidden in katas. And uh, some of the techniques and some of the understanding of bunkai is a white grain is hidden through it. The very beginning, the, very, the mother of karate is the white grain, which was invented by Feng Chilian, a woman, right? So um, the fighting is important, but the self-defense is, once somebody initially attacks you, they're not going to jump out in front of you and jump in the stance and say, let's go. They're going to attack you from somewhere. So some of the bunkai is for you to get out of that initially. And then there are fighting techniques that are, as you know, in our katas, short and root, is hidden because they don't want uh, you sort of keep that to yourself. And that's from the, the older days of fighting. Nowadays, almost everybody knows some of the techniques in one way or another. So I got a question for you, Hanch, and then we'll go around the horn for everybody on this. Do you think people, i.e. enough schools, train bunkai enough? And do you think if you're not consciously training a bunkai, you'll ever know how to do it when the time comes? It's all about teaching your body. It's like walking. You have to teach your body to do things, and the more you want to be able to do it efficiently is by doing it over and over again, putting it in your mind, feeling the situation, using all your senses, and that's by done by repetition. Kata teaches you that. For instance, I always say to my students, do you want to know how many people I've killed? And they don't know what to say. I tell them, hundreds and hundreds, because it's a state of mind, right? When I do my katas, that's where I can kill people. And it's just like practicing where to go when you're on a plane, if something happens to the plane. If you haven't practiced it, if you haven't put it in your mind, you can't be giddish about some guy with a knife trying to stab a woman and her, and her child. You gotta do the job. So it's not all about, mainly it's about, training and then when you're in a situation to defend yourself you blank your mind and allow your 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 training to shine through right you can't be thinking about doing a kick or doing a wrist lock here or something like that you never know what the person's going to do so your mind has to be empty so you can react instantly as opposed to having to clear your mind 
and then attacks. Right. So kata does that. It prearranges your mind, your body, and your reaction. Thanks, Hachi. Sensei Suino, is are enough schools doing doing bunkai or, or your versions of it? And if if a if a secret move isn't being consciously studied, is it a secret move or is it just non-existent? I don't know uh, what other schools are doing. Um, you know, I, I think everybody needs to work harder. Martial arts is, is hard. And if you want to get good, you got to train harder. You got a pressure test. I've said that on a thousand episodes. Um, um, and, and I don't think you have to practice exactly what you do in self-defense. I think you have to practice the principles as Hanchi alluded to mm. my, my, so principles are the esoteric ideas that underlie the techniques and my word for uh, what you focus on is core thematic movements. I think you have to train the most important core thematic movements over and over again, and then they will arise out of you naturally when you need to apply them under pressure. Right on. Sensei Dofan? I don't think, uh, if we're talking about karate, I don't think karate schools train bunkai enough. Like, if you just look at the ratio, for most of the dojos I go to, if you look at the ratio of how many times they do goshiho in the room alone, right? Like doing the movements compared to with another person's hands on them, trying to work through that kata. I don't think they do that enough. Um, and then I think sometimes when they do it, I guess another flaw is they, they try and corrupt it the way that they want it to be to their fantasy instead of how it's actually going to be. Right. So they try and move everything to a sparring range or, a percussion range when some of the moves are just not that in the cut of their takedowns, their stomps, their traps, their, their more clinching techniques. Um, and so that's what I, for chaotic, it's, you know, can you use your low block against a punch to your gut and a kick? Yeah. Okay. Can you use your low block to move a person? A lot of times when I ask people, what do you use your chamber for? they just look at me with a blank expression on their face. They look at me like, uh, but yet that's, you've pulled your arm into chamber like more than like any other technique that you do in karate and you have no use for it. You have no practical use of what you're going to use that for. So that's just my experience with it. And then other people like are like gone deep into it. I like going deep into it. I like the people who've gone deep into the bunkai. And pressure tested it. You know my one exercise. I've done it with you, uh, Sensei Benson, where just an Ahanchi exercise of two guys clasping and then you're yanking each other around. And when the other guy's trying to grab you, you're pushing that hand down and trying to get that elbow in there. That, And maybe you're doing it in the kata one time, but under pressure, you got to do it like 50 times to get that guy out of there. Mm -hmm. I know it's a long-winded answer. I, I apologize for that. The other thing that always changed my thinking was when it, stylistically we do our shooto a certain way, but since Legacy taught me really young, that represents every version of a shooto that you can do. And that's only if your brain allows it to be every version of the shooto. If your brain stays with no, like everything has to conform to this, then it's flawed. Love that. Um, so we're, we're landing on you with the the final answer for this question, Sensei Hansen. Mm. You know, do you think we're, we're we're doing enough bunkai out there as a community, or, or within your school, and and also um, 
do you think that if something's in there but it's like a secret move and you're not cracking it open that it's actually in there or does it just die um respectfully can you repeat that again i just want to make sure i answer it perfectly. well yeah we'll start with the first part which is do you think enough bunkai is being practiced in general and then number two is you know, if, let's say there's layers of bunkai and you could be doing seven different things with the Gidambrai. If you're not practicing all seven, are seven really in there anymore? Or is it now only the number you're practicing? Yeah, um, I think a lot of schools are practicing bunkai. Um, but I think their reasons for bunkai are different. Um, and I, and like, for example, I, I've seen some competition bunkai and, you know, if, if you, if you want to look at it, how could I say this without, uh, some, some competition bunkai I see would fall apart under pressure and, and that, and it's simply because it's just will, <laughs> you know, um, <laughs> un, unless, un, like, you know, it, uh, it, it's not, it's not a real, um, I, you know, I'm speaking to the choir here. You guys know what I mean. Uh, you know, uh, a confrontation is is violent. It's chaotic. It's it's messy. It's it's non-logical, right? And unless you're, if you're not, if if your purpose in developing bunkai is to is for self-defense, then you need to immerse yourself in that type of environment. And so, um, I find a lot of schools. Um, you know, mainstream schools, they're not doing that. Um, and that, and I never claim that I'm a self-defense expert. So that's why, you know, in our, in our, in our, in our network, um, I, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to say that I can literally give a referral. I said, look, uh, let me bring some guys down or you go over there, uh, go and talk to the experts, you know? Um, um, I think to, to, to develop good bunkai, you would need to, for me anyway, I would consult like, and I do consult uh, my tactical combative instructors, uh, guys that live and breathe this stuff, uh, bouncers, guys that um, my, my special ops guys that I'm going to be seeing in Germany that I've made friends with. I mean, we speak openly and honestly about what works, what doesn't work. Mm. They call my bullshit all the time, you know, and, and, and my ego is thrown out the door. Um, and this type of exercise you know, where you're bringing in context experts, you're learning from their chaotic drilling, you're, you're, you're replicating that in your, in your, in your gym and, and con continuously being uncomfortable, you know, having things, not gonna, things are not going to be clean. And, and, and sometimes you, you have to pull, pull a couple of shots in there and not just one clean shot that one, mm -hmm. one hit, one hit, one shot is, is a dream sometimes, you know, um, and just learning, learning to do that kind of stuff, I think needs to happen more you know, more scenario type of training and more, you know, as opposed to just going out there, going to a, a Krav Maga class. And it's kind of like a first aid type of thing. You know what I mean? Um, um, so yes, it's, I, I think bunkai is happening. Uh, but if you want to use it for a, from a self-defense point of view, I don't think, um, I, I don't think uh, some instructors are, I think instructors can benefit from, from seeking out the content experts in, in, in you know, self-protection and integrating that into their bunkai. That's not happening a lot, I, I don't think. Um, Love that. Thanks, yeah. and, uh, Well, we're, we're, the clock is done, my friend, and I'm afraid oh. that uh, that flew by as quickly as I can remember the show going. So awesome. we go around the horn to say goodnight, and uh, we start with Hanchi Legacy. What do you want to say about our time with Sensei Hansen? 
That was interesting. Very good. Uh, too bad we never got to talk about Shorin that much, but I, I just want to add that Shorin, what you were saying at the end, don't be shy. That's why we're in this show to let people know what works, what doesn't. Shorin is a ground level, street level combat art where uh, later on in time, some of the arts are what they call parlor house karate, where they don't practice or visualize a real happening. Um, so thankful for your time with us and um, hope to meet again sometime. Thanks, Sanji Legacy, Sensei Suino. Uh, a few things stand out for me, one of which is a commonality that you and I have in our early lives, which is that we got bullied a lot um uh uh i was probably on the other side of the color line but i was moved into a place where i was in a minority and had to fight my way to and from school uh for the first 12 years of my life and learned a lot of the same lessons i think you learned um, and it's probably one of the reasons i fell in love with martial arts the first minute i walked in the dojo um uh secondly you mentioned several times about pressure testing your martial arts and i just think that's so I love martial arts for its own sake. I could do kata for three hours a day. I love it. But to me, at the end of the day, if it's not pressure tested, then it's then it's uh, a feat, right? It's not Amen. real. Um, Amen. Um, I love the fact that at 54, you're, you're still continuously learning. And from out here on the foothills of senility, I welcome you into that journey. <laughs> and of course, the last thing is, there's a phrase that each of our guests will utter over the course of the night and it goes up on the punch kick choke chat hall of fame. And I think yours may very well be the consequences of being a dick. Yeah. You know, since it's and I write a lot of notes. Um, I like to, I like to go back and look at them and I, like Sasuino was saying, I like to put them on the board and just like ruminate in my brain about them. Um, but on that that note, Karate Unity, I like how it started kind of organic for you, ground level. You said you were in garages training and now you've grown it into this thing. And that's awesome, right? That it started at this grassroots level. You're in racquetball courts and parks and garages. And now you've got tons of people together doing it. That's That's great. I agree with everything you said about the biomechanics, right? <clears throat> even, even when you put a weapon in your hand, like you were talking about, it's the same with the sword. Like you put a sword, yeah. a lot of the principles are exactly the same. Um, that whole bullied in karate and racism thing, I just want you to know, like, to me, and then you said about, you hope that God would say that you were an honest person. I believe that you are. I don't like thieves, bullies, or liars. Like those are all like very similar people to me. And when you're talking about that stuff, uh, it really resonated. I'm sorry that happened to you, but in a way I'm happy it happened to you because now we're talking. If that didn't happen, we wouldn't be talking. You might not have, you, maybe you would have went and played hockey instead of martial arts. <laughs> it, um, I like when you said that your training has to be purposeful. I must've said that like a thousand times in the last year. If you want a specific result, you have to train for that result. You have to train deliberately for the result that you're looking for. And I think you said, it for my wall of fame, know your why, right? Like I'm going to put that on the board. You got to know your why. Um, 
it's really clear how much Vic Arnold meant to you and studying together and doing those things. It really reminds me of um, my journey with Sensei Suino and Sensei Legacy. Like we study things together. We talk about things very deeply. As a matter of fact, one of my most proud things is that Sensei Legacy and I got our shodans in Iaido together wow. on the floor together on the same day. I'm wow. really proud of that. Like it's really cool thing for me. All the stuff we talked about, pressure testing, uh, and you know, you learn that by getting your ass kicked by a boxer. That's, <laughs> you know, through through those lessons, that's where you either stay down or you get up. And I'm happy you're the kind of guy who gets up. Um, next five years, you're just excited basically about working with other people and bringing more people into the karate unity. Um, and again, you said that's your greatest benefit, right? Is bringing people together. I uh, want to train with Bass Rudin. I want to train with Bass Rudin too. So let's go together. Maybe we'll do it together, man. <laughs> we'll yeah. go to Los Angeles. <laughs> let's do it together. I'd love to train with that guy. I just yeah. love him. Um, and yeah, man, listen, you're every time I've talked to you, it's been so easy to talk to you. It seems like a lifelong friend that you've known since childhood when we're chatting. And it felt like that. Appreciate that. So thank you so much for coming on. And I know this isn't the end. This is just the beginning. Oh, absolutely. Uh, my casa, so su casa. I, I, I'd love to have all you guys down here, man. We, we'll uh, have some training, get some food and, you know, hang out, have some drinks and it'll be good. I uh, I, I want to say thank you all. I really appreciate it. Such a pleasure, Sensei Hanson. The quick quick things I want to add is, you know, just I love when you said your, your, your bunk out fall apart because it will. Like you just <laughs> know sometimes it's not good and yeah. you don't, it doesn't need any more explanation than that. I like your term biomechanical music. I'm a musician and that concept of things playing in concert with one another. And then I just really like that term you used, you know, your karate from their mountain. When you can shift, when you can get off your own perspective and go, that's what that looks like from here. I think anytime we can get that perspective of ourselves from another place, uh, it, it humbles us in all the right ways. Um, and, and that lets us also know what's great about what we're doing. So Thank you so much. Is there any last thing you want to say or should we wind up with our uh, thanks and goodbyes? Um, I'm good. I, I'm grateful. Thank you. I appreciate that. We're grateful for you being here. Um, Sensei Dolphin, what do we got coming up before I thank our team? Okay. So uh, one thing Sensei Lacey and I were messaging about is just make sure that you go to the Punch Kick Choke Chat website. Uh, that would be you too, Sensei Hanson. If you have people that you mm. think would be good guests on this show, please go on that website. We have a section there where you can recommend people. We've gotten a couple of people through that website and it'd be great to use it more in that way. Um, okay. So a uh, couple of things coming up. I want to mention too is uh, since Serena is coming here to Kitchener in March 18th, 19th to do a sword seminar. If you're interested in that, you don't need to know the sword to come. Like we're going to have some really good instructors there come on in and see if it's something that is going to benefit your martial arts. Or if you've never done martial arts before and you stumble across this, come as just a no martial arts experience type of a person. But all are welcome and we hope we have a, a lot of people there at that seminar. And I also want to just do a quick, now that our tournament, the Matsumore Challenge is done, the next one on my radar is Sensei Copeland's tournament. That's on June 17th in Windsor. We're all going to be all the people here from Punch Kid Choke Chat are going to be there. And I hope everybody goes to that. I hope he gets as much or more support as we got at ours. And I know he's going to get it from us. So, um, yeah, 
Uh, who's coming up, Sean? We're going to have a host chat. It feels like forever since we've had a host chat. It does. And then we got two uh, karate OGs from Canada that are coming on. Sensei Ron Fagan, who he's from the East Coast. And man, like if you go on Karate Connects and listen to his talk, you're going to laugh. And when I talk to him on the phone, like he's serious, serious dude, like on about karate and how to use karate. And I'll just leave it at that. Like he's a tactical type of a guy. He honed his craft in lots of weird places on the earth as well as in bars and he doesn't shy away from talking about any of it which is great um and then again another really like prominent person who we just saw on the weekend uh since gary hales and i have been going back and forth and he's agreed to a date in march as well to come on and chat with us and um what a great person and what a serious person too um he actually was corner referee in the very first tournament that I ever was in. And I can't wait to talk about that with him because it certainly was a memorable experience. Um, yeah, that's what's coming up, Sean. That's awesome. Sensei, thanks so much for that. And just real quick, while I'm saying goodbyes, Robert uh, threw up the punch kick choke chat contact guest in our chat button. So if you're on this live Zoom call, give that a look uh, and, and bookmark that so you can uh, think about people that, that you'd love to hear from in the future. And I just want to say thanks to Andre Sedeshev, Robert Shlumsky, who was there especially tonight, Alden Adair, Justin Shea, Jesse Vlevitao, and Daniel Holland uh, III for all their work behind the scenes. We do not have a show without them. Thank you so much again, Sensei Chris Hansen, and thank you, Senseis, for hosting with me. It's never taken for granted what an honor this is. Good night, everybody. Good night, everybody. Have a good night.